0: You're listening to Pondering the Bible, a deeper dive into the books of the Bible.
1: Greetings and welcome to Pondering the Bible. I'm your co-host, Ken Corkins. And with me, as always, is my longtime friend and pastor, Rocky Ellison. Hello. This is Season 8, Episode 17. And as always, we pray we're sponsored by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I have a complaint to lodge. Oh. It's now October. Yes. Yes. It's still in the 90s. It's not right.
0: All you do is complain. It's too hot today. That is is not right. (laughs) This is
1: Texas, granted, but it is still too hot for October. We should be seeing leaves falling from trees, not melting
0: in the the sun. This is wrong. (laughs) All right. What are we going to cover tonight? Tonight, we are continuing on picking up where we left off last week, so we're in Ephesians chapter 6. Tonight, we'll do verses 5 through 9. Okay. A short one, right? We'll be done in like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. This will hardly take a breath.
1: If the rest of the night goes just like this, we'll be done in no time.
0: (laughs) All right. And you're reading from, of course, the NLT. From the NLT. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. Oh, Amen.
1: Okay, so we're jumping into what might be a kind of sensitive topic. Yes, slaves and masters. So let's get a little historical background because slavery in this time in, in history, slightly different, not necessarily all that
0: different. what what was slavery like in the first century? Paul is Jewish and slavery in Israel, was basically a work contract. It came with uh, a start dates and stop dates. Most of the people in Israel at this time are day laborers. And so you go out to the city gates every morning at just before sunrise. And anybody who needs day laborers, you know, pulls up in a pickup truck and <laughs> you throw a bunch of people in the back, drive them out to your, your farm or wherever. You work for an entire day. And at the end of the day at sunset, you come back, they drop you back off at the city gates and they give you a one denarius coin. And one denarius was universally agreed to be enough to buy food, a meal for the man who had just worked and three of his family members. Okay. So every day you worked so that at the end of that day, you could just get fed one meal you and your family. There is no getting ahead. Right. If you happen to get sick at some point, your whole family goes without eating until you can go back to work. Uh, You can never fulfill your religious obligations. You can't take a week off and go to Jerusalem for Passover. What are you going to do, you know, for money for that, that week that you're there and how would your family get by? Plus everything
1: in in Jerusalem is very expensive.
0: Incredibly (laughs) expensive. Yes, it is. So, if, Even the Sabbath would kind of mess them up. It would. You can't. You can't be. You can't take the Sabbath off, or your family doesn't eat on the Sabbath. Right. That's your fasting day. Now everybody was prescribed a fasting day, but that's not the way. This you is want by it. necessity. Yeah. Not, not yeah. Religious authority. <laughs> so if you had either had incredibly bad luck in business or farming, or if. You were a day laborer, which was 90% of the population. Um, at some point, y- y- this is just beating you. Today. What if you have four kids mm-hmm. instead of just a wife and two kids? You know, now, now what do you do? And so one of the options that was open to a Jew in Israel was to voluntarily enter into slavery. It was a contract. You both signed it. It had a spe- specified start date and a specified stop date. They were either five-year or ten-year slavery contracts and say, well, why would somebody do that? Why would they volunteer to be a slave? Well, for the duration of that contract, your entire family, however many of you there might be, has access to medical care. Mm. Your owner is required to to bring in a doctor if there's anything wrong with you or your wife or your children. So you get complete medical coverage. And, right. and we know today what a benefit Yes. That is, right? You were guaranteed three meals a day. Wow, yeah. Three meals a day. That seemed like a luxury to, to them. Three hots and a cot. Yeah.
1: Hell, yeah. <laughs> I think they looked forward to it, you know. Uh, three hots and a cot and- free
0: cable. And once a year, your master had, you buy, had to buy you new clothes and new shoes. Mm, yeah. So you got a, a new wardrobe, even if it was the exact same clothes, at least you got new clothes right. once a year. And so you can see why some men at, at a point in their lives might go, that's better than, than the life we're living right now. And in fact, you were, you were in paid a salary as well. It's an incredibly small salary, but you were paid a a salary enough so that once a year, you could take a four or five day vacation. You could go to the temple and pay your temple tax and observe one of the required festivals. You could be a good Jew. So uh, you can see the lure of that and why some men, might opt to go that that direction. Is that kind of indentured servitude is what we would call that, or
1: is it slightly different than slightly
0: that? Slightly different okay. because it's so voluntary and because there are very specified rules okay. to it. Now, that was slavery, that was the only kind of slavery that was permitted in Israel. Uh, the rabbis, the religious authorities, and the politicians had all agreed it can never be more onerous than that. Okay. So that was slavery 101 in Israel. And because of that, when we get to this text to preach on this text, there are a, a, a lot of pastors who look at this and go, what this is really about is workplace. Right. And so we're going to talk about bosses and employees, and we're going to approach what Paul's doing to change the dynamics of the workplace. And and. It's true, there is that kind of slavery, and and this is how Paul's words would have been uh, accepted in Israel. But he's writing to a church in Ephesus, and Ephesus is one of the premier Roman cities... In Asia Minor, Ephesians are granted Roman citizenship if they're born and live in Ephesus. So it is a Roman. I mean, they're all Greeks by by nationality, but they are awarded full Roman stature, so they live under Roman law, and Roman slavery is is much more like what America experienced in the late seventeen hundreds and up to the mid eighteen hundreds. Okay. their slaves were involuntary. They were captured warriors mm-hmm. from other uh, nations. If there was a fight between Rome and somebody else, the Romans always won. And then they would bring back those soldiers. And if they were in really good physical shape, they might throw them into the arena as gladiators. Otherwise, they would take all the rest of them and they became field slaves for the Romans. Or they Romans. could be turned into soldiers, depending. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there were a lot of, what, actually a lot of different ways you could become a Roman slave. If you are, say, North African and you've got some kind of a business and you ship stuff across the Mediterranean to Rome back and forth and the Roman that you're dealing with on on the other side of of the Mediterranean decides, I think he cheated me. He could go to court in Rome. You don't even know you've been sued. You're <laughs> absentee, not aware of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and he sues you, and the judge finds in his favor and declares you now his slave. Wow. And so the next time a ship comes in and you think, well, we're trading products and, and money here. No, no, it's a bunch of Roman soldiers. <laughs> they pack you and your family up, and off to Rome you go to become slaves. That could happen overnight. Wow. And, and, and so it's, it's and, and the goal and and this is written in in so many extra biblical sources the goal is that because romans are so special you should never have to work in your life from birth to death you should be served mm. that was what romans saw as correct in the world and so at at the at the time that paul is writing this letter in the roman empire There are roughly 60 million slaves who would be very similar in in, in status and treatment to the African-American slaves that you and I are familiar with. That's the combined populations in 2022 of California and New York. Wow. That's how many slaves there were in, in the Roman Empire. And the Romans justified this by saying, well, morally and intellectually, we are superior to every other human being on earth. So the gods have said, by, by making us so special, the gods want us to be slave owners, and the gods have decided that, that you are a lesser being, lesser intellectually, lesser morally, lesser ethically, so you should be a slave. It, the fact that I am the owner and you're the slave is proof you are not, in fact, <laughs> my equal. Right. You don't deserve to be free. Only people like me deserve
1: to be free. And I'm free because I was born here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, there's a moral quandary there for modern-day humans, but at the time, no, that was, that was conventional
0: wisdom. Yeah. This is how things are. I'm sorry. And at this point in time, no one anywhere is advocating the end of slavery. Abolition is not on anybody's radar. With this text, we f- one of the things we cry out today is why would Paul tolerate that kind of treatment of people? Why isn't he anti-slavery? That would have been so radical, it would have brought hate down on Paul and on all Christians. We're going to talk a little more in detail about that as we go through verse by verse. Okay. But that, just, that just was not going to happen at that time in history. It just wasn't an option. He's already pushing the, pushing the envelope with the women and the He's, children. Yes, yeah, so. with women and children <laughs> saying that they have value, that they are loved, that their opinions matter. He's already pushed the envelope
1: a long way. <laughs> okay so do we want to hit this one verse by yeah, verse okay let's. verse five slaves obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ okay so we just kind of talked about this but it sounds like Paul's okay with slavery What's he saying here?
0: It does, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like Paul's. And in fact, these verses were used in the American South churches, in Methodist churches Mm -hmm. in, in Southern America. To, to prove that God and Paul support slavery, there is no reason for us to stop this. So right, this that, the, biblical proof yes. of, of slavery's righteousness. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Paul is not a fan of slavery. If we read everything he's written across the entire New Testament, he's not a fan of slavery. And in fact, he advocates to slaves, if you get a chance to be free, you take it and you get out now, do that. But remember, Paul is in prison In Rome. Right. Right. He's at the heart of of the slavery empire. And if Paul writes, there needs to be an end to slavery. All human beings are, are equally loved by God and everyone should be free. No man should be another man's slave. That's going to look like Paul is calling for there to be riots and revolution on the streets of Rome to get him out of jail right. so he can leave. And and Paul is very aware that that if something like that is to happen, that'll be real hard on Christianity. Christianity is not in the good graces of the Roman government right no. now anyway. <laughs> and if it looks and, and, and smells and sounds like Paul is fomenting revolution and riot. Yeah, and yeah. Then you can believe the Roman government's going to begin this hunting down of Christians and slaughtering them whole scale. Right now, Christianity is still an infant religion. Initially, the Romans tolerated it because they thought it was just a, a brand, a flavor of Judaism. Right. So it took them a while to realize, no, this is a different animal. This is not the same thing. And so they declared it illegal. But for the most part right now in history, Christians are not being aggressively Sought out and and persecuted. If they happen to pop their heads up, oh yeah, they'll be arrested. They'll be taken to the Colosseum. They will be, you know, their homes will be put up for sale. But if you keep your head down and you, you keep your nose clean and you stay out of everyone's view, right now the government isn't aggressively trying to find you and kill you. And Paul knows. That if he comes out and says, end slavery, that's gonna change. Right. And the Christian church is just never gonna get off its off its start. Right. It's the Romans never would, gonna would quash it right here and now. Yeah.
1: Just for that. Because he, that was so deep into their their worldview. Yeah. And so that's a
0: bridge too far. That's, like that, that's, that's a bridge too far. He's rocked the boat with marriage, with a brand new system on marriage. He's rocked the boat with a brand new system on parenting. And, and like you said, bridge too far if he advocates an end to slavery. So he's just going to advocate some, some changes in how you approach slavery from both sides. Okay. Let's move
1: on then to verses 6 and 7 together. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Okay. Is it possible to be a happy slave? It makes it sound like yeah, it, does like, <laughs> just be happy in your slavery. Um, it's kind of odd, but I understand what you're trying to get at. But yeah, it kind of comes off as, well, just... Be happy because you're a slave. Yeah.
0: These, these as, as we said, these verses were used to justify slavery in, in the United States. Uh, slave owners would say, look, you're supposed to be happy about being a slave. Paul says so. And, and so what, what Paul is really going after here, because he can't advocate the end of slavery, is there are a million toxic situations that people can find themselves in. Mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes it's a bad marriage. Sometimes it's a bad family. Sometimes it's a bad job. But there's there's an unlimited and infinite number of toxic situations you can find yourself in as a human being. And you can drop to your knees and scream, why, God, did you do this to me? Aren't you supposed to be a good God? Why would you do this to me? Mm-hmm. Or you can get up every morning in whatever situation you find yourself and love Jesus and try to shine the light of Jesus to other people who are in in toxic situations. Jesus, on the night of the Last Supper, praying in the upper room with the apostles, says to them, there are disciples who will never know me Face to face. They'll, they'll just know my story that, but they're going to be disciples just the same because they, they believe in me without having seen me. And you and them, I'm praying for you tonight, but I'm not praying that you'll have easy lives. I'm praying that you remain in the world in the worst of situations as a light to others. And so that's really what Paul is advocating here tonight. If you're a slave, if that's the toxic situation that that you've been dumped into, God may leave you there, even though you are a devout and righteous Christian, as an example to others in that situation, that there can still be joy in the journey if Jesus is your real master.
1: So even in the worst situation, you're still trying to provoke people to say, why is he happy? Why has he got this inner inner joy? And it's because he's a Christian, a follower of Christ. Maybe... Even though I'm in the same toxic situation, maybe I want what he's got. Exactly. To make it a little more bearable. Yeah. You know, because, yeah, in this life, there's terrible situations all over.
0: Babies die. Yeah. and And, you know, husbands abandon their wives. There's, there's a billion yeah. horrible things that can happen, and you can let that kill you emotionally, or you can still stand up for faith, uh, stand in faith and be a light to the rest of a broken, hurting, wounded world of there is a better way. Yeah. In verse 8, remember
1: that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. So I have an idea, but I'm going to ask the question, what's the,
0: what's the reward that he's talking about? Yeah, well, <laughs> he doesn't specify, it's like... We know that it's probably not going to be the end of your situation, right? No. <laughs> that's the the one thing we kind of know is that your reward won't be suddenly you become a master and everybody else is your slave. That's not how God works. Right. Even if it was you're going
1: to be free because you're a Christian, I don't think that's going to happen. No. Somewhere before that. but Yeah. So my guess is it's the heavenly reward. I, it, you've got to fight through this, slug through this world, but in the end, you get to be with Jesus for eternity.
0: And and is there anything better than that? Can't imagine. And what <laughs> if during the toxic situation you lived in, what if, if other people saw you and they came to Christ and now they will live eternally in heaven as well? That's a good thing. That's yeah. a good reward for you to be up there and know there are souls here because I, I lived, I pursued holiness. I pursued entire sanctification. I tried to live righteously. There are souls here because I I introduced them. I shown that light. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's in our Sunday school class we just finished going through the book of Revelation. And there's a scene that we call the Great White Throne Judgment where the dead are resurrected and stand in judgment before Jesus. And the Revelation talks about that's going to be an ugly situation for non-believers they're they're in they're going to have to give an accounting of their entire life of all the things they did wrong and there's just no way they can they can justify the lives they lived and so damnation to hell is certainly coming but there's great disagreement among theologians about what does that judgment look like For Christians, do we go through the good and the bad of our lives as well, or because we are saved and washed clean by the blood of Christ, is there no more bad? Has Jesus taken our sin away, and so there's only good left, and so are we only going to see the good things from our life? And there's a very large group of theologians, Protestant theologians, who say— for Christians, the Great White Throne Judgment is going to be like Oscar night. Uh, God's going to be calling up. <laughs> I'd like and, to and, thank Rocky yes, for his sermon yes, to lead yeah, me to Christ. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a lot of this going on, and Ken, who kept the soundboard running and <laughs> during COVID, and everybody give him a hand, and here's a trophy for Ken. And 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 there are, there are a lot of people who think that's what our rewards are, is that night where at Judgment, where everybody gets acknowledged for and rewarded for their faith. I don't know if that's exactly how it works, but maybe that's what Paul's alluding to. Maybe. I don't know what that's going to be like either. I'm like,
1: oh man, I don't want to stand up there and think of all and relive all the stupid things I've oh, done over the really? life. I mean, even though, okay, you did all these stupid things, but guess what? You did the right thing here. So because you believed in me, please pass on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But still the thought of having to Answer for all the things. Yeah. It's just no. (laughs) Can we just skip that part and have the Oscar ceremony instead? (laughs) Okay. All right, then let's jump to verse nine. We finally get to talk about the masters. We've been talking about slaves. Now we're into talking about masters. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. But I just kind of called it out. We've got, what, four verses here and only one for the masters. Yeah. It's kind of an uneven
0: call out here. Um, what do you make of that? As we were saying, Paul is in a precarious social situation here. If he tries to change the rules of marriage, uh, the Romans may not like what he's advocating, but they're probably not going to murder all Christians for it. It's not world changing. If he asks yeah. fathers to give up the tyranny that they're entitled to with patria potestas, um, they're probably not going to hunt down and kill all Christians. But if he comes down too hard on masters, because that reflects directly on the Romans, there is a chance that the persecutions will just escalate astronomically. So he's in a difficult situation. My advice? Don't poke the bear. He still in this one verse does two things which are highly radical, just just like he was radical in marriage and radical in parenting. He does two things uh, that are radical here
1: it's radical.
0: And the first one is to suggest that slaves are are human beings of equal value to God. Yeah. Right? He just he didn't say that verbatim, but the way he writes it, right? Don't threaten them remember you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. That implies equality. Right. So he just said something that most Romans would, that would raise the hair on the back of their neck and, and get their fists balled. Right, up. they're
1: not my equal.
0: No. Right. So he just he just in a very in a very special way <laughs> said something incredibly radical. And then the second thing that he says there that would have just shocked Romans is, "And you masters have a master." Right. No Roman would have acknowledged that. Not no ever and the ephesians in the the church in ephesus would have been wide-eyed shocked by that that give, giving them that information that you you are a slave to God you think of yourself as I'm a servant of God by choice but Jesus uh, ransomed you the same way you purchase a slave. Right. You are a slave of God and you have a master. That would have been shocking to the Ephesians. That that would have been hard for them to wrap their heads around. So even though he doesn't go into great depth in this one, he still has a couple pretty radical things to say. Right. Now, I can see how
1: pastors would want to kind of convert this into a, a manager and worker kind yes. of discussion. because. Yeah. Thankfully, we don't have the same slavery situation in the US that we did or back in the first century, but there's wisdom here for, as, you're, as a worker, do a good job, and as a manager, treat your workers with respect. Because you have a manager too, right? You can almost wrap that up. So I can see the parallels. I just didn't want to get it too far out of context by bringing that up.
0: You know, and and as I was I was doing my research and working on this, I was thinking, because we have no parallel to the Roman no. slavery. There's nothing like that. And that day on the news was like twenty-five men arrested for human trafficking yeah, there's still in going on. Texas. And so we are. We're still stealing children. And making them sex slaves and shipping them off around the world. So that's still, it's still happening here in Texas. It's still happening in the United States. We just kind of turn a blind eye that that there are still people in this situation in our country. Yeah, and
1: we pray for them. Yes, we do. Because that's a wrong situation. Yes.
0: So, okay. Anything else
1: on this one? Nope, that's enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have you given a sermon title yet? Calling this one Toxic Lives. Okay. So if you'd like to listen to the sermon that Rocky delivers, it'll be at our website at www.pondergmc.org. At the top is a menu called Ministries. Click that, go down to sermons, look for the sermon Toxic Lives. And this will have been delivered on October 8th, 2023. Where are we going next
0: week? Next week, we are moving into a very famous piece, The Full Armor of God. Okay. Next week, we might be delayed.
1: It might be two weeks. Yeah. Now that we get into that one. Yeah. There's still some, because next week is Lady Sunday. Yes. And so there's still some up in the air about how next week is going to work for us, so we might have a a special session or no session. So right. stay tuned. The we'll third Sunday
0: out. of October in Methodist churches is Laity Sunday where the pastor doesn't preach. The church lay members put on the whole service. And yeah, we still haven't worked out the details of how that's happening. So I guess I guess I shouldn't promise what we're doing next well, week.
1: You weren't thinking about that when I asked the question. You're like, it's a trap! And you're like, well, the next part is the armor of God. Um, okay, so I have a weird question for you. Yeah. If a pig loses his voice, does it become disgruntled. (laughs) With that, I think we'll close this episode. This is Ken Corkins and Rocky Elson reminding you to love God and be nice to people. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us at www.pondergmc.org. There you can watch our live stream services, listen to replays of Rocky's sermons, and find other interesting information about us. This has been Pondering the Bible.